So here with Steve Copley. Steve, you are a legend of the Adelaide comedy scene. You've been doing comedy for oh, 25 years, I reckon. Tell us, tell us about your journey, if you want. Well, you know, I started at Comic Comedy Cellar, and I remember first time I was there, Adam Hills was still working down there. Remember, Adam said to me, "Steve, if you want to go far in this business, you've got to have three things." He said, "The first is you've got to be lucky." And I can't remember what the other two were. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that probably leads me to sitting in a shed out the back somewhere in a suburb of Adelaide. (laughs) I remember um, Steve Martin in um, his his book, Born Standing Up, he says that he did stand-up for 16 years and he spent eight years learning, four years refining and four years killing. So that sort of puts it into perspective about how challenging the art form is. So if you spend eight years learning, then then almost that much time, four years just refining. And But if you do stand up, you kind of go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other thing, the thing that we don't quite get here if we were in the US is you can do five gigs a night over there. But yeah. do you think that creates a different type of comedy if you've got if you do a gig and then you have to wait a whole another week before you do a set? Uh, when you're not doing it much, you'll want to get the best response you possibly can every time you go up there, and so therefore maybe you're not willing enough to try new stuff. You know, you don't want to suck and know that you're not going to see the stage again for another month. <laughs> How long into doing comedy? Did it take you to realise you were good at it? Like how many spots did you do or how, when did you realise, oh, this is, this is something I like doing, this is something I enjoy? From the beginning I knew that. Um, I think uh, I found it quite comfortable working down at comics because I was lucky enough to be on there every week and when I say every week, it was a Friday and Saturday night and sometimes that just meant Saturdays because they didn't have enough for Friday but it was more regular than most people were doing it in Adelaide, and the thing that was really good when you got to the Christmas period and sometimes they did four days in a row, you really felt like you could see yourself improve over those four days, whereas before you were getting maybe one or two a week, now you got four in a row in four days, you really can, you can see improvement when you can do it that often, I think. So what was comics, I mean, for someone who doesn't know that far back? I mean, when I got... When I started watching comedy, it wasn't a thing. It was a downstairs restaurant off um, Grenfell Street uh, in De Costa Arcade and it held 150 people. And, yeah, it was it was set up quite nicely and it had a... It was a dinner and show thing too, so it's quite a, quite different than like a rhino or a cranker, you know, where you sit down for there for the one thing. It's more you made an evening of it, you know, and so it was a dinner and show. Mm. I wanted to ask Steve about if you remembered your first crank a comedy spot and just your general thoughts on the room? Uh, well, I can't exactly remember the first one. But you've been doing it for a number of years. I reckon about six or seven years you've been performing there. Yeah, but that doesn't help me remember the first one. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a looser spot because, you, you know, you've really got your guys trying things for the first time or well, getting up on stage for the first time. So there's not an expectation there of, of brilliance, although sometimes you get it, but it's, it's more relaxed, like as an encouraging crowd rather than someone that's come, a crowd that's coming in there to uh, watch a car crash, you know. 
So the comic seller was a dinner and show, and Ross did dinner and show. Did you ever do a Monday night? Did Steve- oh, yeah, Steve did a few yeah. Monday so, nights. So what do you feel? How do you feel the differences were between like your cranker, just sit down and watch, and your and when you used to do the Monday nights with the meals? Yeah, Monday night for the go? Lonely Soul variety show was it was more of a variety show with music. It was harder for the comedians. I only booked usually more experienced comedians because it was uh, people were eating. There's more distractions. I've I've got a story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a Monday night for the Lonely Soul. And there was a family, mother and father, two young kids eating dinner. And this younger comic just got up and just did like a five-minute set on masturbation and like all this kind of sexual kind of content. And I'm just there going, oh, man, like use your brain. Like this isn't the right crowd. But that's like a thing sometimes when you're starting off because sometimes you go – this is the five minutes that I've prepared and this is what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? But some comics might have the um, foresight to like walk into a room and go, oh, hang on a minute. What I've prepared isn't going to work here. It isn't going to land. And I just remember looking at the dad. Like I looked at the dad when I came back on the stage. He had a tear in his eye. Yeah, and uh, he just kind of just, I'm just like, I'm sorry. And he's like, that's all right. But like I never saw them again. Like they, ne- Because like why would they come back to that? Like it was. Yeah, I think basically if you take kids to a comedy club, you're sort of asking for trouble. Yeah. Do you have any theories on humour or like um, how you write a joke or your oh, process yeah, yeah. or anything? Yeah, anything you'd yeah. like to share? Yeah. For, for an emerging comedian listening to this that's like trying to work out how to do it? The first thing people under, need to understand with a joke is that someone always gets hurt and it might be hard to see that in some jokes but someone always gets hurt. And there are three types of people that can get hurt. Okay, a comedian can actually hurt someone in the audience. In other words, make the joke about someone in the audience. They can make a joke about someone that's not in the audience. In other words, a politician, for example. Or they can actually make a joke that turns around on themselves. Now, what I try to do is I try to make it all the joke come back on myself. Because otherwise, eventually you're going to actually offend someone. And even though people like that and even... There are comedians I like that do that to people as well. It's not sort of my thing. Um, A a German dramatist, Max Frisch, sort of like going on what you were saying, he said, is it funnier if I make you laugh at someone else, if I make you laugh at me, or if I make someone else laugh at themselves, which is sort of sort of where you're getting at, I think, with this self-deprecating humour. Do you remember you're like, do you, do you want to tell some gig stories? You did ask me about my, my worst and my best gig. Yeah, do you remember? <laughs> uh, I think I can, the The worst one was to the gig down at Meningi and there was about five, six people in the audience because it turned out that it clashed with something else that was on that night down there. And uh, to boost a numbers there'd been four guys sitting in the front bar for half the day that were wood choppers and they'd knocked off it was a Friday they were invited in and they started picking up the microphone and talking into it and trying to be funny and <laughs> <laughs> this is before anything had started so we knew it was sort of going downhill and so they were just terrible all night the only person that uh, that did any well was was granny flaps and uh, maybe the best one I reckon for opening for Arndo at uh, Her Majesty's Theatre. I went on stage 
and five minutes into 15 minutes, my mouth went really dry and I couldn't make a sound. And so I put the mic back in the stand and I walked off stage just to get a drink of water. I knew what I was doing, but I left in the middle of it so that no one else knew what I was doing. So I walked backstage and Ando's there sort of right by the curtain going, are you all right, you all right? And I go, yeah, no, it's fine. So I just walked back a bit further, got myself a drink of water, which sorted me out. Then I went back on the stage and I picked the mic up out of the stand and I said, sorry, I'm just cooking a chicken. <laughs> and so I did that in front of, I don't know how many, it's a thousand people there. Yeah, at least, yeah. Yeah, so I gave him 10 seconds of what the heck is this guy doing? Yeah. And no one in the whole place knew except me. And it killed. It killed. So did you have that line ready or did you come up with it like on the spot? Well, it was something I did a fringe show once and I incorporated it into my fringe show. So it was something I knew would work if I did it right. So um, I probably wouldn't have tried it otherwise. Yeah, wow. Even just the tension to like leave your spot. Because they say that's a rule, like you shouldn't relinquish the microphone. Like, if, you know, someone hops up on stage or, like, you know, you yeah, talk to someone yeah, in the crowd, yeah. you, you should never let them control the mic. Yeah. I was doing a variety show years ago and this guy came up on the stage and I was doing some greengrocer jokes and he's like, I want to tell a Polish joke. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm like, but like, I don't know if he knew that there was a show going on. Like, I think he just, he just wanted to tell a Polish joke. I oh, know. I've, I've, uh, we had a gig at a Port, Port Augusta football club where one of the guy, one of the guys in the audience was an accountant and he got really, really drunk and was pretty sure he was going to finish the night off with some of his stuff. So much that he actually got out of his seat and he started sitting over with the comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Thought no one would notice. And, yeah, and so then um, at the end of the night, the guy has walked up on stage and started telling jokes and the mic wasn't plugged in. <laughs> okay, so he's, he's telling these jokes and then I, I actually <clears throat> said to the uh, president, look, I reckon you should go up there and get him off there. And he got him off and then the president's gone. And he's leant into the microphone and gone, it's okay, people, I'm the president here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you noticed, Chris, I've uh, done a whole heap of my own videos since you were working for me. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you should uh, have a go, Stephen Copley, and have a look at the new new builder videos that I've done. I've sort of stolen some of the ideas that uh, you've created. (laughs) uh... I used to work for Steve Copley. Making videos for his yeah, piece yeah. of database software. No, they were fantastic videos as well. Hey, hopefully you chopped this up to make me look <laughs> funny today too. No, I'm only good at videos. <laughs> yeah, you can only do so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steve, we ask most of our guests if they like games, like board games or video games. Do you, are you a gamer at all? Do you play anything? Yeah, I'm a uh, yeah, I'm an Xbox guy, and at the moment, been playing Skyrim. About th- as it adds two or three different characters, you can play it as all sorts of people. Yeah, that's one I play over and over. Do you guys ever play those open world games at all? Uh, well, I'm a PlayStation guy, so yeah, I've uh, been getting into bit, The Witcher. Snobby. Have you ever played The Witcher? Uh, yes, I've actually got, yeah, I've actually had the th- got the third one. 
But what were you t- saying just before those open open world games? Yeah. So what, do you know what an open world game is? No? I, th- I, th- I sort of. It's okay. sort of like role playing games. Back back in the day, I used to play a game called Heroes of Might and Magic Two. Have you guys heard of that game? No. That sort no. of that it had like a map, and you were like you you had you're a knight on a horse, right? And you had a kingdom, and yeah. then you had like kind of an army that fought for you, and you try to get gems and like different resources and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of the most addictive games. Yeah. Like ever, Heroes of Might and Magic. I just, I, I actually want to kind of play it again, but like I can't find it. So this was a it. PC thing. I mean, or? it was a PC yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's still really cool and addictive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get different items and greed cuts in when you you collecting all these things and like with it with, with <laughs> is it, that's the other thing is you you become a different person <laughs> like with Far Cry. Uh, the latest Far Cry, you want to go to this certain place to do this certain sort of fishing, right? And there's all the bad guys there. So basically you've got to kill them all before you want to go fishing, <laughs> which I think, you know, it's, it's good to encourage people to feel like that, you know, if they want to <laughs> just get outdoors a bit more, you know, and uh, enjoy the place. Feel free to mow your enemies down before you do it. <laughs> and what a place to leave this podcast. I was, I was going to say as well, in the, on the topic of video games and Corona, mm. <laughs> uh, we're talking to you know Nick, Nick Gooch. Gucci. Gucci. Uh, he said Shout his, out to Nick Gooch. His neighbour is a gambling addict. And oh, because right. they shut the pokies, he's he's got a PS1 and he's been playing the, a pokey game on the PS1 and he keeps bragging to Nick about how much money he's won. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I play online backgammon yeah, and there's yeah. some... And it's rolling dice, yeah, for those yeah. of you that don't know what backgammon yeah. is, and you move pebbles around a board. Anyway, some of the rolls that happen are like you can chat to people and some guy said he had four doubles thrown on him in a row, which is like so the chances of rolling one double yeah, is it's one, one in to th- twelve. Th- one in th- is it one in six? What no. Sorry, yeah, no. Um, yeah, cut this bit out, Chris. <laughs> Working out how many doubles there yeah, are. The chances in rolling four in a row were like, you know, it was yeah, like yeah, in yeah, the yeah. thousands. Yeah, so yeah. he complained. He wrote the people who make the app and then got his money, yeah. his fake money refunded. Oh, oh really? Yeah. They did do it on fake- purpose. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to say thank you to Steve for being part of this Cranker Comedy podcast. Thanks, Steve. Can we do it again Why sometime? Um, um, <laughs> yeah, of course. I just thought I'd do a little wrap-up. So uh, this is the Cranker Comedy podcast. It's available on a bunch of different uh, platforms. Yeah, yeah. Chris, do you want to elaborate? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox. Uh, obviously also on Facebook. Yeah, you can listen to it through Facebook. That's always fun. So, And also, uh, if you like this, you can actually leave us a donation. We have a, a donation link under this. You can leave any amount you want uh, via PayPal. Dot me forward slash Cranky Comedy. I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. Please listen. Go back and listen to the other ones. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Anyone want some beans? See, why, why do you actually stop it now?